Welcome back to Infinity Watchers. I am John Variant Two Three Three, and I'm joined here by Jared Variant Four Four Six, and we're coming to you live from the TVA headquarters with the latest news from the Sacred Timeline. I just love working for the TVA. We are brainwashed. It's amazing, isn't it? It's so great. So, welcome back, everybody. We're we're ready to talk about the second episode of Loki, titled The Variant. Um, so, we will be. We'll be digging into that uh, shortly here. Jared, how, how was your week? I guess before we get into that. Uh, it's been good. Um, I'm house sitting for my family this week. So if the sound quality sounds a little bit different and you hear a bit of an echo, uh, that's why I'm recording from their house this week. So I'm sorry ahead of time. <laughs> I can't know. I don't, I don't notice anything. So I think you're good. We'll fix it in post. But yeah, I mean, I, I've had a pretty, pretty good week as well. Um, not too much notable, so I think we'll just dive right into the news. Another light news week. We've hit uh, a couple light weeks in a row, actually. So the first thing is we got a, a bit of casting news from the Marvels. Um, we know that Park Seo Joon has been cast. We don't know uh, what part he's playing currently, um, but I'm I'm not really familiar with his work. He played a small but crucial part in Parasite, um, which won Best Picture a couple years ago. Um, and he's very prominent in, in South Korea. Um, he's kind of considered an A-list actor there. So always good to see, you know, a more diverse cast. We've talked about that in the past, but, you know, it's it's good to see that here. Yeah, um, I, I really liked him in Parasite. Have you seen Parasite? I have not. I, I highly recommend anybody who's listening to this, if you haven't seen Pseudo, watch it. Just get over as uh bon june ho said at the oscars or it was the golden globes when he won best director at both um if you can get over that little hurdle of subtitles your world just opens up to an entire world of film out there and yeah. I, I i cannot understate how great parasite is yeah i'll definitely have to check that one out especially given this news okay um the other, the other little bit of news is kind of a, a tease from um, Vin Diesel. So he recently revealed in an interview that um, soon we're going to see Groot's home planet in an upcoming project uh, titled Planet X. So we aren't sure exactly where this is going to show up. My, my gut kind of tells me it'll be either in the holiday special or uh, the I Am Groot short series that they're they're going to put together for disney plus um i guess it could show up in guardians 3 but uh, i it kind of seems like something that would be a little bit more in a side project is the holiday special just going to be them trying to get group back to his home world could be in the same vein as the star wars holiday special oh (laughs) i wouldn't be surprised actually for what's the holiday is it life day i can't remember life day it's life day they okay. they have to get Chewbacca back to Kashyyyk to celebrate Life Day. So, I mean, it, it would check all the boxes that they have to get Groot back to Planet X to celebrate some some holiday. That's a really good idea. I hadn't <laughs> considered that. <laughs> I didn't I think about surprised. that until you I mean, just I, said it. I think a lot of the a lot of that holiday special is going to kind of mirror and parody the the Star Wars one. <laughs> so, that I could definitely see that happening interesting <laughs> well that's it for the news 
Yeah, that's really yeah. it. It's it, it, it's what. Uh, well, I mean, we did get a, a small bit of news. It's not MCU related, but uh, at E three this week, Square Enix dropped the Guardians of the Galaxy trailer. Oh yeah, yeah. What? I mean, I, I mean, I don't want to go too much into it, but what were your thoughts on it? I thought it looked pretty neat. Um, I was disappointed that Star Lord's the only playable character. Yeah, he's kind of the guardian that I would want to play as the least i think mm-hmm. <laughs> out of all of them so that was a little bit disappointing there's so much you can do with the other three characters that it's a little disheartening to see only one mm-hmm. main playable character uh yeah, and, and i'm kind of wondering if the the reaction to avengers being the square enix <laughs> avengers game kind of being this live service game that didn't really pan out in the way that i think they had hoped i, I almost wonder if they had plans to make this more of a live service game and have less um or more more playable characters and stuff like that and they kind of scrapped that after avengers and just focused solely on you know developing one character as a playable character and yeah seeing square Enix develop a marvel game made me a little skeptical and a little nervous about it mm-hmm. uh, i mean i bought that avengers game the day it came out i played it for like three hours and then never went back to it mm-hmm. uh i know i know you keep telling me the story's great and i've been meaning to go back to it just for that but i i just haven't had the incentive to or a reason to yeah and i think something that that game suffered from is trying to get close to the mcu visually mm-hmm. but almost too close to where it's almost like an uncanny valley like all the all the characters kind of just look like great value versions of the mcu actors (laughs) well i think it was just kind of off-putting a little bit i think some something else that's turning me off from this guardians entry is the fact that don't get me wrong you and i have talked somewhat at length about the guardians franchise already i love james gunn's take on on the characters but if that's the only take we're getting now i i'm kind of what I'm trying to get at is I would like to see different variations of these characters rather than having 70s pop music play in the background of avatars that look eerily similar to not eerily similar, but it's similar in a way to what we see on screen. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And like, it, it feels like that is the biggest takeaway on all subsequent adaptations of the guardians after James Gunn mm-hmm. is like seventies music. And the whole thing is seventies theme themed. And it's like, Hey, remember this song? Like it, it almost feels like they're just like kind of bastardizing James Gunn's vision at this point, you know, kind of, it's just that every iteration of the guardians has to include like a cassette player mm-hmm. of the Walkman. And it has to include, <laughs> like a 70s song but not one from the movies just one <laughs> right and <laughs> like that was telltale's problem with it and yeah i i mean i got through the first episode of that and again never went back me too um and i think we're gonna get the same problems here what's funny is and we're gonna tra- i guess we could transition into loki with this is that the trailer in that guardian's or I'm sorry, the song in that Guardians trailer is in this episode this week. I know. I thought that as well. <laughs> it just occurred to me as we were talking about it. Episode two, The Variant, directed by Kate Heron and written by Alyssa Karasik. Um, for Karasik, this was her first writing credit, and she really hasn't had any other credits except for being uh, notable 
credits, I should say, except for, for being an assistant to executive producers on both Bones and Batstrom, both Fox uh, TV shows. And again, this week, uh, the music was written by Natalie Holt. And oh my mm-hmm. God, that score. Wow. There, <laughs> there were multiple points where I called out the score, like in my notes going through the episode, it in a way that on I the, hadn't on one. any Disney Plus episode before for any mm-hmm. of the series. Like it, it really stuck out. Um, you know, particularly jumping ahead here a little bit, but oh, the moment they arrive in Alabama at the Roxcart store, there is just this booming track playing and it's like almost haunting but it it, i don't know it it just was a a very standout track to me um i did notice she put the main theme of loki on spotify so i was listening to that earlier this week um the rest of the soundtrack isn't on there yet but the theme is um and back to the writing i actually think this episode had stronger writing than the first one and i thought the first one was really well written yeah um i just felt like they did a lot with the dialogue in between hiddleston and owen wilson i mean their their chemistry was just off the charts and there were some there were just neat lines and they had to deliver exposition in a way that wasn't just kind of you know the miss minute teaser like we got in episode one so well i think what's uh what's not say tricky about this show but what's interesting is because loki is a a fast talker it lent the character lends himself to um to witty dialogue and to having a very um fleshed out script to work with Mm -hmm. and i think in that first episode you had to bring this loki kind of up to speed on where the Loki that we know is dead, obviously, but um, but the Loki, this variant Loki, has to be brought up to speed in character development for everything that occurred through Infinity War. Mm-hmm. So I think that essentially that first episode we were just trying to bring, getting getting him brought up to speed at the same time, yeah. kind of reviewing the character's history a little bit in case you hadn't been caught up yet or i mean it's been a while since we've seen loki and entering the mcu so to a um, significant extent so it allows the audience to kind of recapture and review everything that's happened here we can actually just progress at this point of of this story that's being told yep as well as build out the world a little bit more and you know the first way that this episode starts to build out the world is with that um with that cold open you know, opening on the the Renaissance Fair in Oshkosh, <laughs> Wisconsin. It, it to me this this scene and just just the way they opened with showing the time and the period and getting you like caught up the speed a little bit. It reminded me so much of a Doctor Who episode. Just the mm-hmm. way that those always open with you know not showing our central characters but showing something that kind of happens to kick off the mystery that you're going to investigate in this episode. Mm-hmm. So it, it felt very much like like a, a Doctor Who cold open to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then right off the bat, we after the we see the TVA agents arrive. Um, there's a quick cameo by Kate Berlant, who you and I have talked about this show before, but I think you should leave with Tim Robinson. Um, she had a couple skits in that show. It's a skit show, um, and I instantly recognized her because I um, I use a, a meme from that skit all the time. <laughs> One of the skits that she's in. Um, and she also looks similar to to Catherine Hahn. 
part of it she does but part of me wants to talk about that skit right now and the other part of me doesn't because like saying it out loud spoils it right away (laughs) spoils the joke right away well and i I don't think the joke is is funny if we if we say it it. right here either no (laughs) like like, what (laughs) seriously i know we've talked i I think we're gonna start a spinoff podcast if i think you should leave call i think you should stop talking and it'll be um (laughs) It'll be just us speculating on what Tim Robinson's going to do for the next two or three years with, with the series. Yeah. Uh, but seriously, if you haven't seen I Think You Should Leave, give yourself an, an evening and just binge all six episodes. We're supposed to be getting more soon. Yeah. In the, in the next yeah, few days or weeks. weeks. Mm-hmm. So anyways, we see the TV agents enter um, one of the tents at the fair, and there's kind of um, almost like master of um, master of ceremonies voiceover going over the over the loudspeaker and right away we start to dig into a fight scene where one of the TVA agents is quote unquote enchanted by mm-hmm. um our variant Loki who we now know spoilers is Lady Loki. <laughs> um so did you notice though over over the loudspeaker the MC says a great battle is about to commence and then it yeah. leads right into mm-hmm. I thought uh, that was clever. I need a hero playing in the background. Yep. Yeah, so that that's the the needle drop of I need a hero, and I, I thought it worked pretty well here. Um, it was funny, like given that that Guardians trailer just like a couple of days ago. Yeah, see, I, I didn't even, I didn't even think of that until we started recording that that was the same song from the Guardians trailer. But yeah, it I, I love it when pop music is used correctly in in movies or in TV, and I'm I'm curious some of the speculation we did last week where this variant Loki is actually going against the TVA. If this is actually like a, a hint toward, toward this variant Loki actually being the hero in this case. Yeah, it could be. I also, I've been be. also, I've been binging, uh, listening to the adventure zone where they do a whole arc. That's very similar to what, to what this, to what lady Loki is doing. So, Oh really? Yeah. So that that's kind of in the back of my mind as well while I'm watching this. Right. Yeah, and I, I think there is something to be said for that. Like, it, at the very least, we could point back to it and probably say that she sees herself as a hero, whether or not that's true. And I think we have a lot of reasons, and we'll go into them to, like, mistrust the TVA. Um, maybe not the agents themselves, but the timekeepers and the organization as a whole. Well, I mean, for for Pete's sake, the first line is, where have all the good men gone and where are all the gods <laughs> Yeah, where's mm-hmm. the streetwise Hercules to fight fight the rising odds? Like, it's no accident that that song was picked. Yep, definitely, definitely not an accident there. So right after this scene, we get the title card for the show, and it does the same thing that it did last time, where it flicks through the um, the different fonts for the different letters of Loki. Um, but it does stop on a different one than it did on the first week. I don't know if that means anything or if it's just to kind of emphasize the the variant aspect of all of this. But I just thought it was interesting to note. So um, going back to the TVA, we see that Loki is kind of entrenched and just he's kind of just a almost a TVA trainee at this point. <laughs> <laughs> like he's taking quizzes that Miss Minutes is giving him. Um, and, and I think we need to talk about Miss Minutes. In yeah, we episode. didn't we, we we didn't really get into her last week when we should, probably should have. Well, yeah, but we got a lot more this week. So she seems to be some sort of being. <laughs> Whether that's like AI, is it like 
augmented reality like what what's going on there because there is a point where loki is swatting at her and she's jumping out of the way and usually like if it's like a hologram or something it just sits it just there. passes through and like they would like why is she dodging like can he actually make contact with her is she like a physical being mm-hmm. or is she kind of just the uh, I reference a good place every week, but is she like the Janet of the TVA? Mm-hmm. I know you probably won't get that, but if anyone's I've seen, seen the, the first good, episode, yeah, so I, I, it, I do get that. Yeah. So I, I don't fully understand what's going on there. I mean, this is just, this is a magical world of some sort. So anything can really go. I think she is a projection that can kind of like come in and out of the, of the computer at random. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think she does have a like a tangible physical aspect to her that she can be hurt, even though she's a program. I guess. <laughs> and she she can just converse with him, basically. Mm-hmm. He starts to ask some of these same questions to her, by the way, as that we are. So so I sh- we should mention that Miss um, Minutes is voiced by Tara Strong, who is a voice actor who you've heard in probably literally everything that's animated yeah. now. Uh, on her IMDb, she has over 600 acting credits, and that's multiple TV shows, movies, cartoons. She was Timmy Turner on The Fairly Odd Parents. Yep. Um, she's done a lot with Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon. I think she does a fantastic job here. She's at oh yeah, puts a very thick Southern draw on. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's perfect for what they're they're going for with Miss Minutes, and just to have the weight of the dialogue and exposition that she's giving like delivered in that package is just hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) And you can see why they had to go with like a voice acting legend, like Tara strong to, because those lines, I mean, Miss minutes lines carry a lot of weight. They do, which is hilarious. And something I never would have expected going into this. And she was, she was all, she's also a recurring actor, actress, actor on uh, Rick and Morty as well. So this isn't her first, uh, this isn't her first sci-fi adventure. Yep. Cynical sci-fi adventure, I should say. But yeah, to your to to the point that uh is she she real? Is she an astral proje- projection of some sort? Um I I mean, we'll we'll definitely get more of that. She's gonna be a recurring character, it almost has to be that that way. So I I just I just like the idea of Loji having to sit through training videos with this little cartoon clock harassing him the entire time it's hilarious and they they use that to give us even more exposition too because we find out in this that there's kind of a time limit to where they can allow variants to run free or these Mm -hmm. nexus nexus events to happen and once it passes that red threshold which becomes very important in this episode um, on their devices, they have kind of a red threshold, which is you know the the time limit. Um, that's where the multiverse can kind of break down, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, and they aren't able to reset it at that point. So that makes me kind of think that these charges that they're putting are localized, and they're they're just affecting a small area, not that entire like world. Or that entire timeline. It goes back to what you said last week about it being more of a a reset. A reset. And they, so even, it, it I mean, they're called like, reset charges. Yeah, but I just didn't believe them. And Loki even oh. has a line about it. He said it sounds like a like a nice way to say you're just disintegrating them or something. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I, I think they are disintegrating, but it's at a smaller scale than I had thought it was. I thought they were wiping entire multiverses out, but it oh, seems like, yeah. it seems like it's localized. And the reason that there's that threshold is it just becomes too big for them to manage with these charges and they're not able to, to prune it anymore. Right. And the, the way they explain it is that, um, Reset charges prune the effective radius of a brandished timeline, allowing the timeline to heal. Um, and that's whenever Loki chimes in and says, sounds like you're just disintegrating yeah. the area. Um, but, I mean, we see it happen in real time here where yep. they set a reset charge and it just seems to disintegrate anything that's not supposed to be there. So all the TVA's equipment and uh, those items that were brought in Yep. Yeah, and this is the first time we get to actually see it in action, so I thought mm-hmm. that was interesting. I'm going to skip ahead here for a second to the end. Uh, I mean, full spoilers for this whole episode throughout, and I know we mention it every week, but still just a disclaimer. Yep. Um, I wonder, though, being that Lady Loki's plan is to drop these reset charges across various parts of the sacred timeline, what happens when you reset an area that doesn't need reset? Mm, that's a good point because i mean at the end you see you see the variants starting to branch off all over the place off the same timeline i think that's what she was going for i think what it does is i think it really does eliminate the timeline Mm -hmm. but you're kind of seeing these two timelines stacked on top of each other so when one gets eliminated all the things that shouldn't be there go away but it is that entire timeline going away but because it hasn't spread out, because whatever that variant did didn't affect a larger area, it's basically almost looks like it's removing the things that aren't supposed to be there. If or that is makes it, sense. or is it removing, or or is she trying to remove the whole timeline at once? Being that she sets the yeah. charge, I think set, that's what she's doing for sure. Yeah. Now, now that we're talking about it out loud, that seems to make the most sense. That. I mean, she sets them all to go off at once and then drops them through the portals all at the same time. Yep. Yeah, and we'll we'll get there. There's there's a lot yep. to hit on that. I don't want to jump too far ahead. Yeah. Um, but worth talking about when we when we're hitting these. Mm-hmm. Um, so the scenes that follow the the little Miss Minutes projection, we get Loki standing around and getting debriefed or briefed on their upcoming mission. And we get a look at some variant Lokis, and <laughs> they are just wild looking. I mean, one just, doesn't look like Tom Hiddleston at all. One almost looks like the Hulk. Like it, it's just. So I wrote down World Cup Loki, uh, Hulk slash Barbarian Loki, Mardi Gras Loki, and Warrior Loki. Like I, I couldn't. Those are the best things I could think of whenever yeah. it came. I mean, the Mardi Gras one looks like he has beads just around mm-hmm. his neck instead of his uh, his regular his regular garb. Yep. So they um they also mentioned I think this is interesting that they've pruned a lot of these guys is the quote pruned mm-hmm. a lot of these guys almost more than any other entity. So I mean whether that just means Loki is so chaotic and mischievous that he by his very nature creates a lot of variants mm-hmm. um or you know there's a specific reason that they're getting Loki's and I don't, I don't know exactly what that is, but I just thought it's interesting that they they do get a lot of Loki variants. I mean, I think you're 
in our preview when you talked about the uh, about the nature of Loki himself being so chaotic yeah. that the TVA needs to control him. I think you're mm-hmm. right in in that fact, and the the fact that we're talking about it right now just says that as well. Yeah, I think I one of my like crazy far out theories was that the TVA was con- created entirely because of Loki. <laughs> <laughs> Because like most of the variants are him, and I, I doubt that's the case, but I do have I do have a theory we can get to a little bit later that might okay. might circle back on that a little bit. I will um, say I thought it was interesting that I don't know if this was just like a, a throwaway line or I, what's what's tough with this show is because of just the nature of it of how chaotic it can be. Um, it's hard to decipher what's just a throwaway shot or a throwaway line and what has any weighted significance. Yeah. And the one here I thought was interesting was the fact that they pointed out the difference between illusion projection and duplication casting. Yeah. Which both sound very eerily similar to D&D spells. Um, yeah, but, definitely. But I thought um, I thought it was interesting that, he had, that they had Loki make a distinct um, definition to each one as opposed to just assuming that they're both the same. Right, and... Th- what was that difference? Uh, an illusion, an illusion projection creates an external deception that is perceptible to the outside world, and a duplication casting essentially recreates one's own body as it is and creates a holographic mirror. So, dupli- duplication is literally just creating a copy of yourself, and oh, okay. illusion projection is just like projecting out what what you what, want people to see on top yeah, of you. Right. That makes sense. I think that's that's probably a good way for them to distinguish between how we can have a Lady Loki and Loki's kind of duplication powers that he's shown in the past. Mm-hmm. I will say, though, side note, the, I love the variant jacket and that look. Yeah. And I think that just created like the cheapest possible cosplay for people at the next cons coming up this year. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. You know, do you know how many people are going to be walking around with variant jackets on now? Oh, definitely. <laughs> you just have to get a group and do like a TVA escort. Someone <laughs> Mobius. And <laughs> it'd be great. Um, uh, but so I was speaking. I, go ahead. Sorry. I wonder. That was just a side note. I wonder if um, if those distinctions, they. I mean, they seem to play into some of the character development and themes of the show uh in terms of how loki wants people to see him versus what he actually thinks of himself as we got in that first episode and i wonder if to your point granted the theory was wrong that this is king loki that's the variant but it's lady loki instead um i wonder if though we still get that same character development of Loki realizing that if he chose certain paths, this is where he would end up, which would end up not being the correct choices for him. And I, I do kind of think we're still getting like a King God Loki. Mm -hmm. Um, It it just seems like a natural fit in this series. Um, Mm -hmm. And I kind of have a theory about that that I will get to a little bit and kind of ties into what I hinted at a little bit ago. So we see our Loki go back to the Ren fair with the, with the TVA. um, And they're basically leaning on him to help try to solve this mystery and get in the head of the other Loki. Um, And he's trying to 
play them the entire time, basically, mm-hmm. like just making itself sound smart. And they, they start to dangle. This is where they first start to dangle the carrot of a meeting with the timekeepers in front of him to keep him in line. Mm-hmm. I think Mobius is pretty much just BSing him and trying to get him to play along. You know, it doesn't seem like Mobius has the authority to arrange that meeting <laughs> based on the next conversation we see. Um, but it is funny to see Mobius kind of know that Loki's looking for a way to just betray them. <laughs> you know, like he, he knows that Loki wants to just the ultimate power of the TVA. And that's something we kind of speculated on last week, wondering what our Loki's true motivations are. Um, yeah, but I, I still wonder how how true that is. If he truly wants the power of the TVA or for whatever reason, he's trying to deceive uh, Lady Loki into thinking that. Interesting. So you're thinking like he went with her as an inside agent for the TVA? Yeah. my The way I see it, and I know we're jumping all over the place here. The way I see it is that if he would have stayed, they would have accused him of either A, letting her go or letting the variant go or B, siding with the variant Mm-hmm. and being in cahoots with the variant thus allowing them to prune him or reset him or if he goes with them he's going to be seen that way anyway but in this case he might be able to get some intel on that's true the variant yeah i get that it's a I lo- think ultimately it, it's a lose-lose situation he's in at the end yeah i mean ultimately i think she's gonna fill him in on the episode next week and you know we're going to get some more background on what the tva is actually doing mm-hmm. or or what's going on i mean she knows where the timekeepers are apparently we'll get to that a little bit later but it seems like that's going to be a huge motivation of hers is finding where where the timekeepers are mm-hmm. but yeah that, i mean that's something our loki also wants is that meeting with the timekeepers mm-hmm. so uh, i there's there's a lot of hints towards that meeting happening and you just wonder if it's going to be like a wizard of oz type situation or it almost has <laughs> to be in the, it by the way that you plan the timekeepers up it it almost has to be uh we're gonna pull back to the curtain and it's going mm-hmm. to be literally three lizards sitting on stools <laughs> or just like kang or something like that <laughs> but it the next the next scene after the ren fair is the particular one that starts to hype this type of thing up mm-hmm is because we get that meeting between Renslayer and Mobius. And this is really kind of the first time we've seen them converse without Loki in the room. (laughs) So you get a little bit more insight into their characters. And it's really interesting because it definitely lends credence to the theory that Renslayer knows a lot more than she's letting on. Oh, she definitely does. We get confirmation that Mobius has never seen or met the timekeepers mm-hmm. um the first shot in renslayer's office is of the middle timekeeper they focus directly on him the one that we say looks like kang mm-hmm. they start to zoom out and she's kind of like right and like it's right above her desk like overlooking her and i, I just the the focus on that middle one maybe it's just because he's the one that's always in the middle and it's just how shots naturally get framed but <laughs> i also feel like they juxtapose her body right in front of they position her body right in front of that middle timekeeper all the time. And with their history of Kang and Renslayer being like a couple in the comics, it, it just, it makes me wonder. 
that uh, that's a very good point and i won't i won't argue with you on that um but the way i saw this scene and uh we're getting into the discussion here is this only exemplifies even more that these agents have absolutely no idea what's going on at the tva they're literally caught in the in the tva's machine um and that i keep using the term management in this case would be renslayer or the ones that really know what's happening uh i mean mobius i'm going full on speculate full on speculation here um mobius references other agents and i've read in a few places it's very well possible that there are other mobiuses out there that are acting as as agents and this mobius might not be aware of that fact that he is just one of various mobiuses mobii mobi Mm -hmm. whatever you want to call them um but the way that that scene is shot and especially it's just occurred to me some of the dialogue that's used there is a a strong power dynamic in that room with the timekeeper the statues of the timekeepers overseeing both Renslayer and Mobius yeah we got it in the first episode as well except with the timekeepers being framed above Renslayer who's then framed above Mobius and yep. he even says at one point always feels good looking up to you in that yeah. in that first episode so he is literally in that case literally beneath her and even in the chain of command he's literally beneath her she is his super or she is his supervisor mm-hmm. right so the fact that this show is playing into the ideas of free will individual choice and who has power who uh, the conversation that i might be getting away from myself here the conversation that loki and mobius have in the cafeteria later about um time being predetermined and free will this just tells me that mobius this version of mobius assuming that this is a more naive one does is basically just there to keep the tva and to keep the timekeepers moving along Mm -hmm. and i think there is going to be a turning point at some point in the show where, as we talked about last week, where he finds out that he is one of many and really everything that he knows is a lie. I don't think this is going to go well for Renslayer at some point. I, I completely agree. In this scene, I think we even get a hint directly towards there being other, other Mobius mm-hmm. agents or, or something when, um, Mobius goes to sign that document and he notices kind of like one of the souvenirs is a pen from Franklin FDR high school. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And he, he's like, Oh, I don't remember bringing this must be that analyst you keep on the side. You know, Mm -hmm. like there's another analyst he has never met. And with the history in the comics of there being just a kind of an army of Mobiuses that <laughs> run the TVA, basically. I, I almost wonder if it's not, they don't exist simultaneously, but Over they've time. done this song and dance before with mm-hmm. him. And they just keep either deactivating him or resetting him or something. And exactly. that's the trinkets that he's seeing in her office that he doesn't well, recognize. They were brought by other versions of him, but not himself. Well, he even says that he does to put the scotch glass down. And there, there are rings of like dried up 
moisture on the table. And she goes, you're the one that has been putting those there the whole time. That's when he says, well, it's probably the other, the other analyst you keep talking about. Uh-huh. So that, that is a very good point that it's probably, it could be very well be the same Mobius that just keeps getting reset every, every time they need him reset. Well, and she, she That's claimed, she complains about him having a soft spot for broken things. Mm-hmm. She says, and, and I just wonder if at some point all Mobiuses eventually get to this point where they're so sympathetic for the variants and they have to set them back. Like there's some inherent flaw in the design of Mobius to where he ends up caring for these variants and, you know, he, he ends up, you know, trying to fix them instead of just erasing them. So they, they erase him, set him back. I, I do think that is what's happening. And I think you're right to where it's going to be kind of like a reckoning for, for Mobius, the fact that given Loki his... is the one that is able to, to actually question it for him as to what are you doing here? You you're a fan of jet skis, but you've never <laughs> been on a jet ski. Yeah. Um, and I mean, what this is, I don't mean to go entirely political or like, uh, but like, what is like the most individual free choice you can capitalist free choice you can make, but go ride a jet ski. Yeah. You know, like that, that yeah. I don't think they could have picked a more perfect example of an individual going out and doing something on their own. Yeah. Um, but with, with, that has no purpose whatsoever. Um, but I, I back to that FDR pen for a second. I did see some speculation <laughs> that could get wildly out of control with this pen um, because FDR high school is located in Brooklyn. Uh, it could be that could mean a number of things. One of which could be a um, well, Peter's from Queens, but this there could be another version of Steve somewhere in the timeline. That my um, my initial thought, I saw high school, mm-hmm. and I immediately was like, "What is the name of Peter Parker's high school in the mm-hmm. MCU?" And it wasn't that, but I, wasn't. I was like, because anytime I see high school, I just immediately go to to Peter Parker. <laughs> but I did see some somebody speculating that this could be a molecule man reference because the janitor of FDR high school becomes molecule man oh. at one point, which kind of lends itself to this series in one way or another. Interesting. I think hmm. that might be heading toward the, um, the Mephisto side of speculation though, if we start down that yeah. rabbit hole, but I'm just they- throwing that out there. I definitely tried to look into that after I saw it because they, I mean, they held the shot on that pen mm-hmm. and made sure that you could read what it said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, interesting. I, it, it probably, if I had to guess, <laughs> it's probably that like someone on set design went to that high school and had that. <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's probably just like an inside reference to, for somebody on the, mm-hmm. on the production crew or, you know, maybe one of the, writers or someone went to went to high school there so but <laughs> let's read into it molecule man confirmed <laughs> we'll here we go right now and what does molecule man start with an m what else just starts with an m mephisto mephisto so molecule man is mephisto confirmed yep, exactly confirmed <laughs> and what what letter comes after n m n what else starts then? Nightmare. And there's a nightmare department at TVA. Oh, boy. <laughs> Here we go. Time is a flat circle. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew McConaughey, more M's. Oh, man. <laughs> Speaking of M's. 
<laughs> I don't actually have a segue for that, but um, after the the scene of Renslayer's office, we we have Loki's uh, case file study where he's the the funny thing about this is he goes to the the librarian quote unquote and asks for he just straight up asks for the files on the creation <laughs> of the TVA, the files on the beginning of time, the files on the end of time, um, and he ends up landing on the the file for the actual destruction of asgard so for ragnarok um and i paused it on this to just kind of look over the file Mm -hmm. um and they they attribute the the cause of this apocalyptic event to codename revengers which i thought was a hilarious reference to catch that that's amazing yeah that's that's (laughs) that's the reason of of the 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 apocalyptic event is codenamed Revengers. <laughs> um, I I definitely got a good chuckle chuckle reading that. Um, hey, just a, just a side note. There's an Easter egg in that in that library scene. Um, have you ever seen Seven? I have not. Okay. Um, there's a there's a scene where Morgan Freeman's character Somerset is going to do some research at a library late at night and. Um, Bot's air suite number three in D major is playing over. He has it playing on a record player over top of um, his research. And that's the song. That's the piece that's playing at the receptionist's desk oh, in the library. Just the little. That's neat. And um, Heron has even said, apparently in interviews, has even said, if you're a big fan of seven, you'll notice I put an Easter egg in there for, <laughs> for you all. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's neat. Definitely neat. So after after reading up on this apocalyptic event, Loki has the idea that the variant could be hiding in the apocalypse, in in apocalypses throughout time. So the I love I thought this was brilliant. I love this, but it just I I can't stop laughing about this only because this only like negates the the states of any apocalypse that's ever been pre- predicted or any like catastrophic event that's ever been predicted and the fact that mobius is like there have been millions of apocalypses like <laughs> like which one are you talking about well they to be fair the apocalyptic event is like a mass casualty in a in a small area no i i understand that but typically an apocalypse is written to be the end of the world as yeah. like as like radnorok was Right. Well, <laughs> even Ragnarok, they had the on that sheet. They had the casualties listed as like nine thousand Asgardians, mm-hmm. which is surprising. Like I, I always questioned like whether they were able to get everyone onto that ship, and it turns out no, no, <laughs> like definitely not. Um, which you know makes that makes the uh, the Korg joke a little bit uh, <laughs> morbid. More morbid, yes. <laughs> Um, anyways, I, I thought this this idea of the variant Loki hiding in apocalypses is brilliant because it took mm. me some time to understand why he was thinking that. But once I did, it's like, Genius. oh, the, yeah, anything can happen in that area and it's not going to create another timeline because no matter what, unless you're affecting something outside of the area that's affected by the apocalypse, the TVA has no reason to go there because everything there is going to get wiped out no matter what. So there's no branching that can occur. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was just a really brilliant idea and not something I ever had thought when we saw the, 
scenes in the trailer of Pompeii, I always wondered like, how are they, why are they in Pompeii at the exact <laughs> time of the explosion? Like it never, the apocalypse idea never occurred to me. No. Um, and I, I, I just, I, I love it. I, I don't think anybody, I don't know. I didn't see any speculation on this show, but I don't know if anybody could have predicted that. I don't think either. It's a very, <laughs> very clever bit of writing. That's for sure. Um, and then the, the scene in Pompeii is hilarious as well. Like Mobius once, <laughs> Mobius asks Loki to just make bird noises. <laughs> like to start and, small and Loki's just like not having it at all. And he, he just unleashes all those goats on the town and tells everybody he's from the future. <laughs> this, uh, this is what I'm getting at by saying that Loki is Rick Sanchez at this point. Yeah. Like, like he literally says there are no consequences. Do whatever you want. Dance in yeah. the streets. And like yeah. I could hear I can hear Rick say that yeah, <laughs> during an exactly. apocalypse. Mm-hmm. And the fact that like him and Mobius were getting real giddy about see- seeing Vesuvius erupt <laughs> just killed yeah. me. The fact it was that, so dark. The fact that Mobius is like, yeah, yeah, this is exciting, but it's not it's not good taste. Yeah. <laughs> Like this whole, this whole, that whole dynamic between those two in that, in that few segments reminded me of Rick and Morty. <laughs> yeah. Them both getting excited for something like this to happen, but then Morty be, to say like, oh, geez, they're all going to die. Oh man. So their, their Loki's theory is confirmed. They notice no variant energy. There's no Nexus energy. Once Loki's disrupting this timeline, he doesn't mm-hmm. become a variant. He's not changing anything because it all gets wiped out by Vesuvius anyways. So now it's time to kind of regroup and plan. And I, I think honestly, this might've been my favorite scene of the episode um, where this is the cafeteria scene that you referred to earlier. Mm-hmm. And we have, we're back to like the, the free will versus predetermination argument again. And we get <laughs> this, this is what I'm talking about when I, <laughs> Talk about the writing of this episode. Mm-hmm. Mobius talking about the jet ski. He says it's the beautiful union of form and function. The jet ski. <laughs> it, just what a line. The way, Unbelievable. And, and the way he says it, the way he leads up to it too, is most of history is boring, but for a brief period in the early 90s, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> there was a beautiful union of form and function. <laughs> yes. <laughs> incredible. Just an incredible joke (laughs) um but then you know we start to get into the more serious debate of you know loki kind of questioning mobius for his belief in the timekeeper's belief in the tva um and it's almost like a religious thing for mobius in a way Mm -hmm. like he really believes in this believes in the work that he's doing um and it's really a lot of blind faith on his part given he's never met the timekeepers everything he knows (laughs) Like, can he even confirm he was created by the timekeepers? That's what makes me think of the religious aspect is like, it's almost like the timekeepers are his gods that created him for this divine purpose, his glorious purpose. And he calls it that. And what's funny is Mobius like tries to point the finger back at Loki and say, well, do you believe everything that you just said? But Loki can say, I lived it. Like, I know I was created by frost giants and I know that Odin raised me. Like, right. It's not exactly the same. It's not one to one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It would be like, you know, Loki. It it would be like if Loki was just kind of a typical Asgardian or something. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? That then it would be right to question him. But I mean, he's pointing it back at him, but also just recounting Loki's actual life events that he experienced. So. Mm it doesn't really, really hold up 
Um, but one of the parts I really liked about this conversation was we start to understand a little bit more about the timekeepers and how they work. Like right now they they've determined how things should go on the sacred timeline to a point. Mm -hmm. And the TVA and the agents are enforcing that. But at the same time, the timekeepers are unraveling the threads of the future to know how things should go. And Loki kind of questions, well, what happens when it ends? How does it all end? And Mobius basically says we meet in peace at the end of time. Everything is um, order. It's order basically at the end of time. Mm -hmm. So the timekeepers are going to have. Um, and that I thought that like we meet in peace at the end of time was a really great line. Like that almost gave me chills. Like, I don't know why I just thought it was, I thought it was really, well, it, it made you start to question the, <laughs> the idea of literally the end of time. Like I know that the phrase is thrown around, kind of nonchalantly a lot of till the end of time but like literally what would happen at the end of time mm -hmm. time is a is a flat circle as we've said before <laughs> but but time um like is a is it kind of a man-made concept that right. is a it's just a measurement but we've ascribed like so much meaning to it that what happens when we stop measuring time and what happens like when all events of every universe of every like of every i feel so small saying this out loud <laughs> looking up at the sky uh <laughs> like what happens when literally everything ever created in all universes in all quadrants of every galaxy just ends and there is nothing yeah and that that really makes you feel small doesn't it it does like, it does when we were recording last week, I, I kind of had a brain fog in the middle of a thought. And I think where I was going with it was that we're getting the cosmic, the cosmic elements of the show indirectly explained to us, or at least indirectly shown to us in that way. Uh, and the cosmic side of this universe. Yeah. We've gotten it in the guardians franchise and we kind of got some of it in infinity war and Endgame. But those were more of the, the space elements. And this mm -hmm. is like going even further out and saying like, this is everything we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. Because the question then becomes, well, if the timekeepers are the ones creating the end of the timeline or unraveling the epilogue, as, as Mobius says, who determined or who created the timekeepers then? Where did right. they come from? What's bigger than the timekeepers? Well, in the, so in the comics the timekeepers were created by the last living TVA agent at the end of time. So it is like cyclical. <laughs> it's called the one, um, I think his name, they call him he who remains. God. Yeah. So it's like the time, the, the, he who remains create, he who remains, who is a TVA agent creates the timekeepers who create the TVA, who then create the timekeepers who then like it, it's tenant. Yeah. It's tenant all over again. Yeah. So <laughs> I I also think <laughs> I also think that the TVA is BS. <laughs> I think a lot of what we're being fed is just gonna be proven false soon, anyways. Um 
I think maybe they have power over this one timeline, but outside of that, I think they're they're just protecting this timeline. Like I think there's mm-hmm. a lot of multiverses that have spun out of control that they were unable to stop. And they don't want think, people to know about. Yeah. Like that's the reason they have like we see in the credits, there's like redacted files. Like what are they redacting? And who are they redacting from? TVA agents? Like the there's no general public to read their documents. Nobody knows they exist. Yeah. So I mean I, I there is something that isn't right with the TVA and things just don't add up. And I, I think there's going to be, like we said, like a reckoning for Mobius. I think him finding out that he's like one of many is going to be just kind of the first part of unraveling his system of belief. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I mean, that's a lot of work for Owen Wilson to chew on there, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, what if, uh, what if every Owen Wilson role is then a version of mobius <laughs> a variant a, a variant mobius of mobius variant. and just you no know, i questioned that i almost wondered if they were going to show like just the just a random like press photo of tom hiddleston when they were going through the variant loki's <laughs> or just him in another movie or something i thought that might have been it might have been kind of funny well like think, um, think of lightning mcqueen showing up in this yeah exactly <laughs> so i, I thought I, I just, this scene, the writing in it was amazing. I mean, mm-hmm. when, when talking, one of the other lines I wanted to call out really quickly was while talking about the the timekeepers and the TVA and how they work together, Mobius says, while we protect what came before, they're toiling away in their chamber, untangling the epilogue. And that line, I don't know, it's just so good. It's, it's good. Just so well written. So that, well written. That's just as good as what is grief but love persevering. Yeah. But some of yeah. the stuff that comes out of these shows, it just amazes me that that Disney yeah. that Disney uh, Disney writers have come up with this. Yeah, <laughs> and then the um, I, I didn't write unfortunately. We're, we're recording this the night that the episode came out, by the way. So we're doing a this more, is all more of a live reaction. We should have said that at the top, probably. But this is more of a live reaction. Just throwing um, this out there: What if Mobius is the one that ends up creating the Timekeepers? I had thought about that. But I don't think the timekeepers exist anyway, so I don't think okay. that's going to be a problem. <laughs> okay, just just throwing that out. <laughs> so Loki says, and there's some dig at Loki about being a child or, or something like that, and he says, "I know something that children don't. No one is ever, no one bad is ever truly bad, and no one good is ever truly good." Um, great line again, mm-hmm. but this also kicks off the idea for mobius to kind of go back to that kablooey gum that he got from the from the child in in the last episode Mm -hmm. um in in the one timeline where lady loki killed some of the tva agents in france yeah so looking at that they they discover that kablooey was created um around 2050 so now now they have kind of a cross-reference they know that the variant has been in 2050 they know that or they know that the variant goes to apocalypses apocalyptic events mm-hmm. they know that the variant had kablooey gum from around 2050 mm-hmm. so they kind of look and, and cross cross reference those and determine that alabama is where the <laughs> where the uh <laughs> the variant variant loki is um in a very bleak it sucks that this is the sacred timeline but it's like <laughs> 
capitalism run amok. Like it's basically Amazon owns a town. Well, well and I mean, all that's... the people are sheltering from the hurricane in an Amazon warehouse is basically. Well, that, that's kind is. of what they're leading to with with the Rotson Corporation. Like we we haven't really it, the Rotson's been mentioned before, but this is like our first like physical introduction to what Rotson can be. Yeah, they and, the Rotson was briefly well, not briefly. They're pretty prominent in the agent carter series but that's kind of mm-hmm. questionably mcu canon. anyways yeah. so uh, mcu canon but yeah this this town is basically owned by rocks cart um mm-hmm. which is just so random and doesn't really play any part in this episode except just you know to kind of get the name rocks on out there i think for mm-hmm. future use like you said but and i think well, another thing tying them and i think tying them to make us like feel like this is what amazon is is a good uh oh, good in- sure. good indication of where they're going with it yeah and i i think even <laughs> like that's a bleak look at the effects of capitalism but also they mentioned that the apocalyptic event is a category eight hurricane um and right now our scale goes up to category five so it i was <laughs> i was wondering that because that, <laughs> so i that think was they're just odd. kind of projecting that you know global warming is going to result in us having category eight hurricanes in 2050 um so that another very very bleak world on this sacred timeline this this is a real this is a live action rick and morty just just throwing that out there Mm -hmm. (laughs) so um now we're we're taking to haven hills alabama um and we start to see the variant is there is active the, name, the name's a little ironic now that you say it out loud oh haven it's a haven yeah, <laughs> yeah that is um <laughs> the dark humor in this show this is just it's a great so far so we basically we basically get our first introduction to this variant loki and her ability to kind of transfer consciousness it looks like between people or enchant people and kind of possess them in a sense but also still retain her physical form um elsewhere because we see we see some of the enchanted people talking to loki our loki but then we also see the variant setting charges at the same time so it's like she can kind of do both now they do refer to this as enchantment and i always wonder if they're kind of combining the character of Lady Loki and the Enchantress, mm-hmm. who's like kind of a classic Thor villain, um, who basically um, seduces her enemies in a way. So I think that's kind of what they're going for here, and I think that's why they went with the word enchantment. One really interesting thing in this scene is when Mobius finds the TVA officer that was taken in the opening scene of this episode, she's whispering something like it's real over and over again and then mentions that she told the variant loki lady loki where the timekeepers are or how to get there um which i question how she knows that Mm -hmm. but i don't know i'm guessing we'll get a little bit more explanation on that so we see our loki start to fight some of the people that are enchanted by lady loki (laughs) he he like he uses telekinesis to basically lift a Roomba into his hand. Loki does. <laughs> I don't know if you caught that. And he uses I did. it as a shield. Um, I, I don't remember ever seeing him be able to like summon things to his hand before. Mm-mm. No, that's, that's new. Yeah. Um, so that's new, new Loki power. 
I just thought that fight was kind of funny because they were just beating each other with appliances, basically. <laughs> so then we finally get our reveal of Lady Loki. Our Loki calls her Loki, and she says, don't call me that. So she must be going by some other name. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know why she would have abandoned that name. But this is played by um, Sofia DiMartino, who we kind of speculated. Um, well, as... you, you predicted it in our, in our preview that yeah. she was going to be uh, Lady Loki. Yeah, and I still I still do think that there's going to be a King Loki variant that is either behind the scenes or just kind of shows up in a one-off episode. Um, do you think it's possible that there are multiple variants working with Lady Loki then? The fact that there, were, there was somebody setting time charges while she was enchanting others to kind of distract our loki i don't because it she did show that from one enchanted person she can enchant another and like pass the enchantment on Mm -hmm. so she was like using them to kind of do that Mm -hmm. plus i i (laughs) i saw someone on reddit kind of raise the idea of like a council of lokis and then (laughs) someone commented immediately below and said yeah that wouldn't last like five minutes before they all betrayed each other (laughs) and i was like yeah that makes sense like i don't think multiple lokis can really work together for long um i mean council of ricks pretty much did the same thing yeah i'm just trying to keep drawing parallels now exactly um i do i I did think think of a question though back to um was it uh hunter c20 the one that said that she had given up where the timekeepers were yeah does that mean the timekeepers aren't at the tva then i don't think so they're somewhere else either in time or they're somewhere else at the same time just not physically at the tva someone else someone else yeah probably something quantum something (laughs) possibly i don't know do you think it's possible rocks cart has ps5s available (laughs) it could be so one thing i'm very curious to hear your theory on this this is kind of my new my new working theory that i hinted out a little bit earlier in there on our episode okay what if it's not Kang behind the scenes. It's not the timekeeper behind the scenes, but it is King Loki that is the one that created and rules the TVA. And is using the timekeepers as kind of like a cover. Using them the same way that the... No, I meant like a, like a title of the timekeepers being yeah. a like a cover for King yeah, Loki that, being in charge. Yeah, of. basically the Wizard of Oz type thing. That's but interesting. the reason I think this is we talked about king loki being this idea of loki's evil impulses fulfilled right mm-hmm. like what if he was able to get his, his wishes and the the conversations last episode and this episode about the um free will versus predetermination had me kind of thinking back to his speech in germany in avengers one where it's like you you crave subjugation freedom is life's worst enemy so like what what would a fulfilled Loki do if not eliminate free will from an entire timeline? <laughs> Which is ironic given the fact that this Loki talks about nothing but free will, but at the same time wants to rule people. Yes. With no, and give them no free will. Yeah. Now my only, I, I, I don't want to poke holes in my own theory, but okay. I don't know why he would have a sacred timeline that results in, well, I do actually, because a redeemed version of Loki would be dangerous. 
So if Loki's redeemed in the sacred timeline, and he would want him to die at the hands of Thanos. Okay, okay. I like where you're. I like where you're going with this. The fact that he's created. There was a Loki that succeeded in becoming king and became king of everything. Uh, I do mm-hmm. like. I do like that. I think read. we have to start thinking internally with these series instead of externally like we started to do with wandavision and the mephisto stuff right mm-hmm. like it ended up being like wando is the sole per- perpetrator of everything basically right but- and and i i agree with you on that um i do like the idea of um i do like that idea of and we talked about this last week where there's a a where this current loki who wants nothing but power and wants to get away from the TVA eventually learns that the per <laughs> that the individual that created the TVA to keep him out of or to keep him from from fulfilling that dream and uh to keep him from becoming um redeemed is the same individual that he would become I do like mm-hmm. I I do really like that thought like I just imagine the the drama and the scene of Loki finally like working his way to the top to get to the timekeepers to, you know, have an audience with them to understand their power or try to steal their power, whatever. And to find, Oh no, I have their power. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. this is me with their power. This is what I can do. Could have done with their power. Mm -hmm. Like this is a problem. Like he's already pointing out the flaws in, the thinking of the TVA. So I, I just, the idea that he would be confronted with himself when he finally gets to that point would be pretty wild. I think. Well, I think he would be the only one that's smart enough to be able to poke holes in his own logic. Yeah. And poke holes in his own power and his own goals and ambitions to finally see, see it to the end, but then realize that it was all for naught. Like there's, there's nothing here after it yeah there's nowhere to go after i've gone up yeah but then what this is me at the top and this is the like predestined path i've put the universe on you know Mm -hmm. so i i i really like that theory over kang and i know i was on the kang train last week but i'm kind of thinking about kang and i i took a hard critical look at my theory and just all the stuff i've seen online about kang and there is more groundwork for it since we know that character is going to show up in the MCU. Yeah. But we got to look at this series and say, okay, we have four episodes left. They just introduced Lady Loki. So we have to give her the time of day. Mm-hmm. We have to understand that everything that's going on there. And I highly doubt she's the one pulling the strings or anything. And we know that there's some mystery behind the timekeepers. So I feel like they have a lot to cover and to introduce Kang as the person behind the timekeepers would hype a lot of like the comic fans up. But I think, uh, the, I, think I mean, the idea I, of telling oh. this, taking this huge sprawling story like that we're looking at now. And at the end, it really boils down to like, no, this is a Loki show. Right. This is Loki. There's a reason we're introducing the TVA in a Loki show. It's because Loki is in charge of the TVA. It's a small scale story with big stakes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Whereas I think if you introduce Kang, 
you have you run the risk of his introduction kind of overshadowing Loki's journey and Loki's mm-hmm. arc. And I mean, Jonathan Majors has even said that he's not appearing in the show. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know if that was cheat I I don't know if that was cheatily or if that was like a serious comment, but uh, apparently he has addressed it. Um, but I mean, you and I have talked about at length over the past how long have we been doing this podcast? Two months at this point, three months. Yeah, that, yeah these shows on disney plus are meant to create character development for side characters essentially Mm -hmm. um i say this every time but with wanda we got her grief um her grief story with um falcon winter soldier we got um sam adjusting to taking on the mantle of captain america and bucky adjusting to the modern age uh and in loki we now see i i guess we would now see based on your theory um him coming to realization of what is giving people free will versus what is um me taking all of the power and putting them on a path for the end um yep so i i do like that theory I do wonder, though, I know we're trying to make this an internal discussion, but how does this fit into the the timeline that we know in the MCU? You know, like, Loki has been removed from... Loki removed himself with the Tesseract that created the event for Steve and, and Tony to go back to the 70s. Does this Loki ever have to be put back into this timeline? No. This current yeah. Loki, like our Loki mm-hmm. that we're following, put back in what way? Because if back to like right where he dies, yeah, because he's been hands. removed from he's been. Re- I mean, that's essentially what his the timeline that he created, they already put the reset charge in erased, so they would just prune him. Did they erase him? The thing is, did big. they did they put the prune in New York? Because the one that they did was in Nepal, the reset was. The reset oh, was in Nepal, a, and we know that this was a lo- these are localized resets. They're not so well. Maybe maybe that's not the case. Then maybe they're not localized resets. Hmm. You see what I'm getting at here? I mean, I guess we depends on how they explain it, but we could just explain it away and say they did mm-hmm. it off screen. But I see what you're poking out here because I feel like this Loki at one point or another has to be put back in order for the timeline to continue. Now, granted, we keep getting the line mm. that, that time works differently in the TVA, but we've never really experienced or been explained how well, it actually works. We just know that the TVA is an entity that exists, that individuals can move back and forth in time however they want. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Mobius pretty much did explicitly say he can never send this Loki back to his timeline, though, because he already is mm-hmm. a variant. Like, his variant is they pruned that timeline in Mongolia for sure, presumably in New York as well. So the last like remaining piece is Loki, which they judged and they decided to let him live and help for a bit. So I think the, at the end, their plan is just to so either make him. I was going to say, so then what would be the point of, I'm 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 not trying to poke holes in the theory in your theory here. I'm just thinking of things here. What would be the point of having this character development where he comes to the realization that 
once he achieves all of this power, there's nothing left and that he is actually essentially enslaved people in this in the sacred timeline only for him to get reset in the end. I feel like you would be doing all this character development. So you're for saying nothing. for what what do we do with what do we do with this Loki after yeah. the series? Yeah. I have no idea. That's it. That's the only thing I can think of. I think I think I think no matter what we're gonna be facing that question because I think the T V A isn't making it out of this series mm-hmm. one way or another. <laughs> um or it still exists, but maybe Loki our Loki takes charge of it and it has a different purpose under him. Like maybe they're not I don't I don't know. There could be something else like they only stop specific things or I I, I think they're I think that's something that probably is gonna come up in the next mm-hmm. you know couple of episodes. I think we'll start to hopefully get a a clearer picture on that. And I mean of course it's entirely possible that they're planning a second season already and the TVA is meant to extend beyond this and their threads are going to mm-hmm. wrap up later. Yeah, I'm, I, um, again, I'm not opposed but, to, that, to that theory. I'm just, yeah, I, I liked aspects of it. I'm just curious if you have all this character development to not put him, to not put him back well, and to not, re, and you just reset him. And you just, I think what it comes down to is, I don't, I don't think he gets reset. I think what happens is he gets okay. to the end meets the quote-unquote timekeepers, finds out it's King Loki, sees what the version of him that tried to take over New York basically Mm -hmm. would have done with that unlimited power, but the version of him that's been through this events would use that power differently, so he ends up either like taking over Mm -hmm. the TVA and, you know, it's still ruled by Loki, but maybe the concept of the timekeepers is gone and he repurposes it in a certain way. Um I that that kind of is my theory. Um I hadn't really thought much about what happens after that. I just had assumed, you know, there's a confrontation between Loki and King Loki and somehow our Loki wins. Now what he does after that, whether it's get rid of the TVA and he goes kind of and does something else or he dies in the conflict and doesn't make it out of this. Both Lokis die. I really don't know. Thus setting yeah. off the multiverse. I think I think we're definitely due for a lot more information from the other side, like an outside perspective on the TVA in the next episode. I think so Lady too. Loki. We know, I mean, she's well aware of what's going on at the TVA. We don't know the story behind her. I kind of suspect that she had worked with a Mobius in the past in a similar circumstance. Um and that one had gone wrong, which led to Mobius being reset. She escaped, and that's why everyone kind of questions him on bringing mm-hmm. this variant in. And, you know, has a soft spot for broken people. Kind of tells me that something like this had happened in mm-hmm. the past before. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. But, you know, I get into our questions of what is Lady Loki planning? I mean, we see her open up all these time doors to the sacred timeline, as we see on the monitors, and drop these charges and detonate all of them. Um, interestingly, in the TVA, as these these charges are going off, we see a, a running list of all the places mm-hmm. and times where these have gone off. Um, and we get a lot of interesting ones here. So um, I'll just run through these. And there, there are a number of references on Earth and stuff like that that we know. Um, but there are also specific MCU locations that are mentioned. 
So Vormir, location of the Soul Stone in 20, mm-hmm. 2301, there's a charge there. We definitely hadn't seen that in no. that period. Um, Asgard, <laughs> 2014, which would put it Zero. around the Dark World. So I don't know if that's a joke of their like erasing <laughs> the Dark World. <laughs> but honestly, like in Phase 4, no film has been referenced more right. than the Dark World at this point. <laughs> um, we get um, Sakaar. So on that Ragnarok mm-hmm. reference, um, ego. There was a charge that went on ego in thirteen eighty two. So does that just reset ego so then? It, that's that's what I I find that a little. Well, I think she's just putting them everywhere in the timeline so that there is nothing mm-hmm. left of it. But I think I think there's more to these charges that we're going to understand a little bit more about later. I don't think they're just like blow up, disintegrate mm-hmm. things. So I, I and it goes back to your question of if it's localized and only removes things that are out of place. What are these charges doing? in that timeline where everything is supposedly in its place yeah um so we also get titan in 1982 um which i'm thinking is possibly around when (laughs) thanos's uh home planet got destroyed i mean just picture we have no idea just picture young thanos hanging out on titan listening to like duran duran and and bon jovi (laughs) he's got a mullet (laughs) He's got a mullet. He ended up shaving yeah. it. Uh, come like 2005, but <laughs> the also listed is Hala in the year 0051. Have we seen Hala yet? Somewhere? Um, that's yeah. That's the Kree homeworld we saw at the beginning okay. of Captain Marvel. Yep, and where yeah. like the Supreme Intelligence is. So maybe that could be like the creation of the mm-hmm. Supreme Intelligence. You you kind of assume these are mm-hmm. important events. So maybe tw- maybe the Dark World is like the death of of frigga um but i don't know um then we get xandar in 1001 um and that that's about it i i tried to cross-reference some of the u.s or not u.s but earth locations and times to see if there were any events there was in nothing history significant that occurred in that I, I looked town. too i couldn't really i mean there was a november I there was a november 22nd on there but it wasn't 1963 um yeah yeah, I couldn't tell where or what, if any of the events were. Yeah, so she drops all the charges, and then um, we have a brief conversation between her and our Loki. And basically, there, there's a point where it sounds like she's reading his mind and then responds mm-hmm. out loud. Like it, It's almost like he's saying, what do you want from me in in her head? And then she responds out loud, mm-hmm. this isn't about you. Um, so I wonder if if she does have mind reading abilities, or is this kind of like a nebula type situation where because there are two versions of the same person coexisting, or maybe it's even a thing specific to Loki, like they have kind of like a well, he says it out on. loud. What do you want from me? Um, Don't doesn't he? Maybe he does, but there is some dialogue that's like kind of floating around okay. in her head, like echoey, and then mm-hmm. she responds to it. So. I I really don't know. I mean, we get Mobius runs after Loki as he sees the portal there, and Loki kind of looks back at him with regret a little bit and then follows her. So that might lead into your theory of him trying to go and gather information and really kind of still being on the side. I mean, the they, I mean, nobody except Mobius believes him that he can do good at this point. Um, and the um, th- yeah. that's what I mean. This is being standing right there in front of that portal 
where there are bodies around him uh, is just a, a lose-lose situation because, again, if he if he runs, the TVA is not going to trust him. Mobius is probably going to lose trust in him at that point. If he stays, then he's going to get the blame's going to get put on him for a letting the variant go and b possibly for knocking these people out and interfering with these events. So I'm thinking I'm thinking next week's going to be pretty exposition heavy again. I think we're going to get a lot of conversations between our Loki and Lady Loki. Um, there, I, I keep thinking back to that shot in the trailer that looks like they're almost on Vormir. Um, a lot of people in the Loki trailer thought that it was Black Widow because she has a very similar haircut to to Black Widow in um, Infinity War slash mm-hmm. Endgame. Um, but, I mean, we know now it's it's Lady Loki. But I'm just kind of curious to see. It, it looks like there's something crashing into the ocean, like a comet or something. So it's prob- they're probably at another apocalyptic event. Um, to hide out and while well, she she kind of debriefs. You think Red things. Skull's still hanging out there so, at, that, um, at that point in time? Yeah. It might not be Vormir, but mm-hmm. it really looks like it. <laughs> it really looks like it. I, I don't know. This series is mm-hmm. just amazing. I thought this episode was even better than the last. Is um, I thought the writing was I think was it's stronger. only six episodes. Right. Yeah, yeah so they, I mean, they're really being efficient with their storytelling on this one. Definitely. I mean, I look at this and stack it up. It's really hard to compare because they're they're doing such different things. But the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and you know, at this point, we had already been kind of starting to question the purpose of the Flag Smashers mm-hmm. and like not question them in a good way, but just trying to understand what they were doing with those characters mm-hmm. at all, um, and trying to piece together parts of the story. And th- this just has so much more to pull off, and it's just nailing it in a way that is so much more effective, I think, than anything they've really done to this point on Disney+. And I love WandaVision, so not not speaking bad about that. And I love a lot of parts of Falcon and Winter Soldier, too, but I, I think this really kind of just feels mm-hmm. on another level to this point. Like, the balancing act between character work, exposition, the world that they have to build, they're just really nailing it, mm-hmm. I think, on all fronts. I completely agree. All right. Well, I mean, I can't really think of anything else I wanted to to cover when it comes to this episode. I think we we definitely gave it uh gave it its day in the sun. I, I'd say so as well. And uh, yeah. you can you can find us at the next uh, Steel City Con or Comic Con wearing our variant jackets from now on. <laughs> Dibs on Mobius. All we're still working <laughs> on the mustache now. I just <laughs> I I just wonder how much. I just wonder how many we're going to get now. Like that, that's too easy. You just have to get a, get a great jacket yeah. and put variant on the back of it. Yeah. I mean, my hair is already turning gray. If oh I'm my, I'm about sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. We got to break your nose yeah. a little bit though, to make it look a little more authentic. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We may want to pull it off with makeup. I don't know. Prosthetics. It's hard to say. Or just a good punch to the face. <laughs> Well, I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Um, make sure to join us next week for episode three of Loki, and we'll be we'll be with you till the end of the line. Okay, yeah, as they say, or till the end of time. End of the time. Sure, I'm with you till the end of the time, pal. <laughs> all right, we'll see you all next well, week. Yep, all of our uh, you know social handles are in the 
in the show notes. So go ahead and, and give us a follow. Let us know what your theories are, any thoughts on some of the stuff we've been theorizing on, um, whether you're ready to hop on the King Loki train like I am, whether you're on the the Kang crew. I don't know. Well, The Kang we'll crew. See. I like it. I'm on the uh, Loki League. The Loki League. Hashtag I like it. Loki League. Hashtag Kang crew. <laughs> Hashtag, hashtag team, team Loki or hashtag or team, team Kane. <laughs> Anyways, well, have a have a great week, everybody, and we're looking forward to discussing episode three with you shortly. Original music titled Blazing Stars composed by Eric Matyas of soundimage.org. <laughs>